0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a reason why we swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth when we are on the witness stand. It is easy to just show a portion of the truth so that we can mislead or even deceive people. Satan did just that when he mingled half-truths. And even some little white lies, it may appear, to lead Eve into thinking that she would be better off by eating the very fruit that God had forbidden them to eat. All around us, people make things up and portray as truth their fairy tales or their make-believe fantasies, their outright lies, or the desires of their flesh. It's no secret that these days news outlets love to sensationalize mundane news by giving a partial story or even by spinning the events to make them appear to be super important. Instead of reporting the facts, they sometimes create a narrative in order to win viewership polls which result in greater revenue from commercials. The truth is then compromised so that the almighty dollar for them can be maximized. Watching movies, in watching movies today we often see lots of CGI or computer generated imagery. This is done in order to make events that we can't replicate naturally seem real or to create science fiction type movies. And we know that when that CGI is used in movies, that they are but fiction. But what about when they're using CGI on regular video coverage to make something appear to be something that it is not? It is so that they can make things up or gain revenue. Some do it in order to control or manipulate the masses, and others in order to maintain their own make-believe narrative. Making the news this past week is, and has been looked at by Congress, is the notion of banning TikTok if they do not sell to an American company. In my personal opinion, this seems reasonable, for we do not need a foreign communist country monitoring our youth. But perhaps even more so, we do not need people to be manipulated through mindless video watching and the mindless scrolling that it's constantly taking place, it is addictive, and it is taking a huge toll on the mental health of especially our young. There are many reports of girls who get caught up with transgender transitioning videos. The algorithms target them, and then they go from having no thoughts of being a boy to now taking hormone pills which damage their God-given bodies and making them appear to be more male. We are not playing with innocence or helping our young when we give them the thoughts, the tools, and abilities to make themselves more like members of the opposite sex. Instead, we are playing with fire It goes against the very decree of God who made mankind male or female. He made them. It is destructive to their emotional health. Society is trying to coerce the masses into acceptance and into compliance. And Christians are condemned for seeing through these lies and professing the truth. Two years ago, the president declared March 31st which anniversary is coming up this week, to be Transgender Day of Visibility. The occasion seeks to celebrate transgender people and create awareness of discrimination against them. Of course, Bible-believing Christians will be accused of discrimination when they say that that behavior is sin. And last year, on March 31st, new federal guidelines were released to promote puberty blockers for children, hormone therapy for adolescents, and even gender reassignment surgery for teenagers when they figure they are transgender. Nothing has been done to try to treat the underlying mental health issues that are arising and causing some of this. These government measures allow people to prey on children by leading them down immorality, and they seek to prevent parents from having Authority over their own children and for intervening for, on their, children, their children's behalf to, for what is good and right. These programs are failing our children, for they do not get to the real causes that are causing the astronomical increases in those who question gender identity. Many are depressed and are told transitioning will help them but for most of them it makes their lives even worse, for they do not understand how these hormone therapies affect their bodies and their emotional health. Their depression often stems from the materialism that is all around us, from the lack of Christianity in their lives, from the broken homes in which so many are now raised, and from the excessive use of social media. Making up lies and portraying them as truth is nothing new. The Israelites continually sought after the false gods of their pagan neighbors. Their belief in these fake gods did nothing but hurt them. Many Jews in Jesus' day figured that Jesus was possessed by a demon. That way they figured they could simply dismiss the teachings that he was proclaiming. They even called him a Samaritan, which was basically a racial slur. People fell for it, and many were believing these lies. After Jesus ascended into heaven, false teachers arose within the church seeking to pull God's people away from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why in the very first chapter of Paul's earliest epistle, the one written to the Galatians, he wrote... If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. St. Paul continued to warn the same things throughout his epistles, even in his very last epistle, in which he wrote to the young pastor, Timothy. He writes in 2 Timothy, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irrever- irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Later in that same epistle, he adds, Understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. And then finally, the Holy Spirit inspired St. Paul to also write in the same epistle to Timothy and to all pastors, The other apostles and writers of the various epistles write along similar lines. St. Peter warns, "...false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction." And many will follow their sensuality. Because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. St. John, in his first epistle to the church, writes, We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come, and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And then St. Jude writes, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you, to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our Lord God into sensuality and deny our only Master, our Lord Jesus Christ. You can see that the words that these various writers are being fulfilled in our own midst in our own country, in the very place where our coinage says, In God we trust. St. James gives us good reason to correct those erring souls. The Holy Spirit guided him to write, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And Jesus himself declared the benefit of holding to God's truth. In the very same dialogue in which our gospel lesson is set today, when Jesus is in the temple, he is surrounded by both Jews who believe in him and Jews who reject him. You, can, you heard what happened to some of those Jews who rejected him, what they wanted to do. They picked up stones to throw at Jesus when he identified himself to be God, when he said, before Abraham was, I am, calling himself the very God that God called himself at the burning bush in Moses' presence. So what did Jesus say earlier in John 8? He said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. In our world, obviously, there is a lot of confusion. People disagree on various events, on what happened, who said what, what really happened, and which is right are all common questions. But when it comes to moral standards, God's attitude toward mankind, or the way of salvation, we have absolute Clarity in God's Word. There is no question concerning these matters. They are not to become open questions, resulting in confusion, lies, half truths, or deceptions, but instead they are clear. While many who consider themselves Christian may contradict that clarity, that does not negate what God teaches. As Jesus prayed on Monday, Thursday, your word is truth. And so the moral standards that are set forth in Scripture are not intended to impress the people, nor are they in need of an update for our modern era. Instead, these moder- moral standards that are found in Scripture show the most peaceful way to live in this fallen world. Of course, as sinners, we do not stand up well to the moral law, we do continually break his commandments. You heard that vice catalog in Second Timothy 3. You heard how people will be lovers of self, money, how they'll be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, and so on. You heard that list. The list accuses because we keep on breaking these commandments. But that's why God gives us such clarity in the Bible of God's attitude toward mankind. In addition to clarity on the moral law, he gives clarity on his standing with mankind, his attitude. Yes, Psalm 5 does state that God hates workers of iniquity. But it is because of his hatred towards sin and his love towards his creation that he sent Jesus into the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus, in love and for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross to pay for our sin. And through his all-sufficient sacrificial death, we are set free from our bondage to sin. We are forgiven of every last sin. Because Jesus has paid that penalty for our sin. And so in faith we are covered with the very righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are counted by God our Father in heaven as acceptable to heaven. For our sins are taken away as far as the east is from the west. And we are now clothed with the very garments of salvation and given the robes of Christ's own righteousness. This is all ours by grace through faith given to us in our baptism. And that is the gift given to us sinners by our gracious God. The clarity of the scriptures are there. We know who we are now in Christ and that he does this all out of his great love for us. On this day, sometimes referred to as Passion Sunday, the week be- the Sunday before Psalm, Palm Sunday, we availed our crosses. Jesus himself, in our gospel account, veiled himself when the people had picked up stones in the temple of all places to throw at Jesus because they felt he was guilty of death for blasphemy. They hated the truth which he had proclaimed, They were listening to the lies of the evil one. His passion, as it begins now, is the most important time in the Christian church calendar because it shows us what Jesus did in love for us and for our salvation, what he earned so that we, by grace, as a free gift, can be set free from our sin, that he endured the cross and shame to atone for our many sins, that he rendered for us the ransom payment through the shedding of his own innocent blood. He suffered the wrath of God by bearing the guilt of our sin in his own body. He suffered hell on the cross. He endured these things so that we can be reconciled to God and have life in his name. As forgiven Christians, we are declared not guilty of all sin, It is then our desire, as we pray in the general prayer of the church, to lead quiet and peaceful lives in all godliness and honesty in the face of this fallen world. That is our prayer as Christians, especially as the world is turning its back on Christianity and it is no longer popular in society to be a confessing Christian. Despite that, we will endure whatever suffering may come our way, and we will uphold God's truth no matter what. For the world around us is dying to hear God's unchanging, saving truth. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. We rise to sing our hymn, I think it's 422 for our offertory.